Hello everyone, Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning and we have loved every second. Talking about audiation-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers. Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Hannah Mayo. And I'm Christy Adro. Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. In this episode, we're going to find out more about Hannah. Hannah is the owner of Hannah Mayo Music, an independent piano studio based in Lafayette, Louisiana. Hannah has been using Music Moves for Piano materials for many years and officially became a Music Moves for Piano teacher a little over four years ago. She has seen the transformative power of audiation-based piano instruction, and she'll be telling us about her journey today. So, bless me, Hannah. Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about your background as a piano student um, growing up and then also how you became a piano teacher? Yes, I started traditional piano lessons at uh, six years old with a lady down the street. Uh, Much like you yourself, I used a middle C method. I was in the step-by-step and John Thompson. And uh, if I remember correctly, I would only practice when I wanted to. And my teacher used to tape this little calendar into my lesson notebook each month. And I was expected to keep track of how many minutes I practiced. Um, So I probably wouldn't practice all week, uh, probably because it was either boring or frustrating or both. And and on the day of my lesson, I would just hurry up and scribble in a 20 here and a 15 there to make it look like I had practiced. And sometimes I actually did practice, but a lot of times I was making up stories in the calendar. So anyway, I'm telling you all of this to put into context uh, just what kind of piano student I was. So for me to stick with it my whole life and ultimately become a piano teacher is uh, really a little bit miraculous. Um, I remember practicing when I really liked whatever piece I had been assigned. And this one time I played a duet with another student that I was school friends with. I didn't play many duets growing up, but this one time I did, and I wanted to practice all the time for that. It was very motivating and enjoyable. And I was also active while I was taking piano lessons, active in a lot of church music and choir activities. And I always loved to sing. I had a very um, mildly out of tune, average singing voice that is in much better tune now that I've discovered music learning (laughs) theory. 
And it was um, when I was in high school choir, I got my first taste of what being a professional musician might be like. And I accompanied that choir for three years. And it was a little bit terrifying and a little bit thrilling. Um, And that was part of what kind of set me on the path. And I had a variety of artistic interests, but music was always number one. And I suppose it was kind of written in the stars that I was always going to go on to be a piano major because that's all I really did. Full commitment growing up was to piano lessons. Uh, So I put all of my eggs in that basket and I applied and auditioned at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette where I majored in piano pedagogy because I didn't feel adequate enough to pursue the performance degree. And that's no joke. Um, but that turned out to be the one of the best decisions of my entire life was going on the pedagogy track. And it is what set me on my journey. And I had this wonderful advisor, um, Dr. Susie Garcia, And she's still a mentor today. She's the person who introduced me to Edwin Gordon and who encouraged me to um, not just teach the way you were taught, to think about what was good about the way you were taught, what needs improvement, and then to make those improvements as a piano teacher. So um, about three years into undergrad, I began a piano pedagogy internship under the direction of Dr. Garcia, where I learned what my purpose in life was, and that was to be a piano teacher. And I had this uh, wonderful pleasure of teaching two children and seeing them each week was the highlight of my life. I think they're about six years old when I taught them. And they had um, the kind of lesson format they had one, it was fantastic. It was so much time. <laughs> they had a 30 minute private lesson. And then the second one would come and there'd be a 30 minute group lesson. And then the first one would leave and it'd be another 30 minute private. So from the very beginning, I was a big fan of that lesson format. But um, so these two kids were the highlight of my week. And uh, here's a fun side note that I found a box of Music Moves materials in the pedagogy library. And one of these books was the duet book from Music Moves, Music Moves for Two. And those two students played many of those duets together. I would teach them by rote long before I ever adopted the method so many years later. But in 2007, it was time to graduate. And I figured I'd just go ahead and stick with the piano. (laughs) I continued on to grad school where um, I was encouraged to pursue research projects in preschool age children. There wasn't a whole lot. Uh, being said about piano lessons for four and five-year-olds. So that was an area of interest for me because it was kind of something that was maybe missing from the piano world. And uh, that was where I read what would be the first of many books by Dr. Edwin Gordon um, as part of that research. And I was one of those people that totally threw myself into grad school, maybe a little bit too hard, Um, On top of regular classes, I was collaborating and accompanying. I was teaching classes as a grad assistant. I was preparing for a gigantic degree recital. I was building my studio. I was crying myself to sleep some nights. (laughs) But finally, I graduated in December 2009, and I continued teaching and building a studio. And I was trying all the different methods, and I never was really fully satisfied with any of them. Uh, But many of my students 
um, like some of them liked them, some of them didn't, and many of my students didn't practice. And I felt like I was a really fun teacher. We played a lot of games. My students loved their lessons, and I had some reasonable success with students who were like very into piano, but that was only a handful of students. I didn't always know how to deal with the average students, and I didn't always know how to get those kids motivated to practice. And I grappled with feelings of inadequacy as a piano teacher, and I had a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome sometimes. So I got a little frustrated and bored with piano teaching. And maybe five years after grad school, I even considered going back to school in a different field. But then I went to a summer conference where Marilyn Lowe and Jenny Fisher were presenting. And that rekindled my interest in Edwin Gordon, in music learning theory, in patterns. And I revisited the Music Moves materials with new eyes and a little bit better understanding of what I wanted and needed for my students. And I joined the Facebook groups and started learning everything I could. And I began transitioning my teaching style to include audiation and music moves method. And I kind of cut ties with a lot of my long held beliefs about how music should be taught. And every year that goes by is just further validation of what a good decision that was. Oh, that's amazing. So can you tell us a little bit more maybe about your discovery of music learning theory and then um, more about what drew you to Music Moves for Piano? For sure. My uh, discovery of music learning theory came in little bits. Uh, Sometimes it was a seed being planted that would get watered many years later and start to sprout even more years later after that. So for example, Um, that box of Music Moves materials that was in the pedagogy library that I mentioned, Um, there were actually two boxes. Uh, One box was the Primary Measures of Music Aptitude Kit, and I didn't pay much attention to that box because it didn't have any piano books in it, but I saw what it was. I saw what was in it. I read a little bit in the pamphlet, and that's what I might call a little seed being planted for later. So, Back to the Music Moves box. This box is really what started everything. And I remember there were four books. There was a copy of the preparatory book, which is uh, no longer in print because it became keyboard games A and B. And there is a copy of student book one, which was like nothing I had ever seen before. And there was also the Boogie and Blues book and the Music Moves for Two duet book that I told you about how I used with my students. And um, I taught those duets and I taught the boogies and blues by rote, um, but I didn't use any of the keyboard maps and I didn't teach that way. Uh, But also in this box was a pattern CD. So here I was looking at um, two levels of a method book that was like totally bizarre and different (laughs) um, and two repertoire books that looked somewhat normal and a pattern CD. And the pattern CD required the least amount of work. All I had to do was put the CD on and echo, right? Right. (laughs) Right. So that's the one I gravitated towards. And of course, later I would find out that there's so much more to it than that. But at that time, I had only been teaching not that long, a few years. And I didn't know about MLT or Music Moves for Piano Facebook groups and Music Learning Academy courses didn't exist yet. So I wasn't aware of any resources to help guide me other than this box that I just found. (laughs) 
And I didn't know about the teacher books. Um, so to all of the teachers who are just getting into this right now, you are so lucky. Um, so back to the pattern CD. I kept it in my car and I would drive around echoing all these rhythm and tonal patterns. And I was not always sure why I thought this was a good idea, but I just kept doing it. And um, to be clear, I was the only one using the pattern CD. I didn't play it for students and lessons. This was just something I kept in my car. Something told me to do it. <laughs> uh, and then one day I was reading through some repertoire of my own and I noticed some things. Um, I noticed that I was processing some individual patterns and I felt like I was in more of a state of flow and I felt more comfortable and at ease with the rhythm at sight, sight reading. And I noticed I was thinking in all of this pattern vocabulary that I'd been hearing on the pattern CD, like do to date, to do to do to date. And I was identifying those patterns in the music. And that moment was a very serious revelation. I realized I wasn't counting. I was rhythming, for lack of a better <laughs> word. And I thought, hmm, there's like something to this whole pattern business. So that was another little seed that was planted. And I carried on with my other piano methods that everybody was using because that's what was popular. That's what I knew. That's what everybody else was doing. And that day that I heard Marilyn present at a conference and uh, Jenny Fisher was there doing all this song and movement. I was like, oh, this is this is different. This is amazing. I like this. Um, and it was when I was going through my piano teacher rut that that happened. So the seeds kind of got a little bit of water and sunlight that day. And then I was ready to revisit music moves and continue watering those seeds. And a little over four years ago, I dipped my toe in with keyboard games A. And then um, that was with my preschool students. And they really liked them. They wanted to play those more often than their other songs. And I was quickly struck by how the book was sequenced, how the students were learning small, manageable musical ideas. I liked the duet parts. I liked the inclusion of folk melodies. I liked that they were being taught to use their middle finger instead of their pointer finger. And I liked that there was a full 88 key piano on each page and showed the students exactly where to play and told them exactly what to play and how to play it in a way that didn't require confusing notation. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be what was missing from the other preschool and young beginner methods, which gave me reason to jump all in and move forward and continue with music moves. I love that part of your realization about how important music learning theory could be was a change in yourself. Yes. Right. I think yeah. that's just, that's wonderful. I mean, for me, as I discussed last week, it was seeing the students, but you started with, I'm actually listening to and reading music in a different, easier, more organic way. I think that's awesome. Right. Um, so now what did this transition? Because this is, you know, not the most traditional of methods and you're transitioning your piano studio. What does that look like? It was pretty gradual at first. Mm -hmm. um, I started with the rhythm syllables because that's what got me hooked. That's what I saw the value in very immediately. So um, I used the Gordon Frosseth rhythm syllable system 
uh, before I ever really adopted music moves or even music learning theory. I just started with these uh, due days and due dotties and due tadetas. And um, that is how we would express rhythm. And I didn't even know what I was supposed to be doing with these patterns. But from my own experience, I realized how helpful they were. And so I just would find any opportunity to incorporate them. So if a student was learning a new piece, I was already kind of thinking in that, oh, we need to know what the rhythm patterns are and how we say them with this uh, vocabulary words, these due days and these due dotties. And that helped them. I started to notice improved rhythm. And so I basically replaced counting with the rhythm system. And just so before everybody loses their mind, I do still teach counting. Um, but now I know about this magical thing called the learning sequence. And so I teach counting in the appropriate sequence and at the right time when students are ready to understand that particular theoretical concept, just as a side note. Yes, and definitely keep that word sequence in mind because we're going to be talking about sequencing in some upcoming episodes. Yes, sequencing is so important. And I'll just say one more thing about um, how I kind of dipped my toe in. I also supplemented keyboard games with a preschool method that I'd already committed to for that year. So if you're thinking about trying music moves, use keyboard games as a supplement. And that allowed me to transition away from the other method and into keyboard games a little more easily the following year. Um, so that's how I got started. And then 2018 came along and I took the Gordon Institute two-week intensive course that Krista talked about in the first episode. And that totally changed my life and my teaching forever. And I met wonderful, kind, like-minded teachers who had their own journeys similar to mine, uh, to MLT, who just wanted something more. They wanted more natural, enjoyable uh, music making. And so we all bonded. And after that, I went all in and that's where I am now. Uh, so what changes have you seen in your students these past four years uh, since introducing Music Moves for Piano? Probably the most exciting one is that they're more musical without me having to try to get them to be musical. And the nature of this method, I think, is responsible for that. I'm, I'm convinced that uh, singing and chanting, uh, it, it internalizes musical phrasing, and that comes out when they play. Their flow and their continuity is much better because they're using flow movement activities in their lessons. So these things get internalized away from the piano, these important musical skills, and then they're able to connect them to the piano when they go to play. And also the fact that they play all of their pieces, and this is very much a music moves thing, and even an MLT thing, um, they play separated, connected, loud, and soft. Whatever it is, they're going to play it all of those different ways or different combinations of those ways. And they're internalizing dynamics and articulations very naturally. And that becomes obvious when they play with more character and style in their repertoire. Um, the other thing I've really noticed and been excited about is how they're developing a musical vocabulary. And that provides them with the opportunities to be more creative. And for me and for my students, like I'm more creative now because I have a rhythm and tonal vocabulary. And there's more improv exploration. There's more composition going on. Uh, my students do compositions and arrangements now. And I have many students who often start their lessons with these words. 
I made up a song. Can I play it for you? And I mean, just talk about like the joy of my life. Like, yes, of course you can. And then it's good. Like I end up really liking what they play. Absolutely. It's, you know, and beginners are very simple, but it's enjoyable and they're having fun. They created something. And I'd like to say maybe just one more thing before we go. Not only did I see changes in my students, but I saw my own changes. I experienced improved musicianship. My musical understanding has increased. I finally understand modes, you know, the difference between Dorian and Aeolian and how to play in those modes. And I write songs now. Like our amazing theme song. Thank you. Yes. That's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. And uh, most importantly, I'm happier when I'm teaching. I'm rejuvenated by teaching rather than being tired at the end of the day. I have, I'm I'm ready to be finished, of course, and I need a break, but the lessons are just so thrilling. It's brought new life to my teaching. So um, I think back on that time when I felt like I was in a rut and the thought of being bored or frustrated with piano teaching now, it seems so strange to me. So for all of those listening, if you've been using this method for a while, you probably know what I'm talking about. And if you've uh, felt those improvements in your musicianship, you definitely know what I'm talking about. And for those that are curious or just getting started on this whole audiation journey, I really encourage you to stick with it through the growing pains and the changes. Stick with it through the challenges. Keep learning. And we'll be here for you on this podcast to help however we can. Absolutely. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing your story. And thank you all for listening today. Be sure to visit the podcast website, musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning. There you can sign up for our email list as well as check out any links and resources in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you next week as we discuss our first key to music learning, audiation. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon.